hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator. All right, good afternoon. Welcome back to the next episode of the BC Law Just Law Podcast. I'm Tom Blakely, and uh, we're honored to be joined today by uh, two Marines, Captain Austin Lohr, who's the officer selection officer for uh, Boston, and Evan Muller as a second lieutenant, who's also a 1L at BC Law. Actually, just a couple more weeks of 1L, and you'll be moving up to up to 2L. Uh, so these guys are kind enough to join us today because we want to talk about uh, JAG, the Judge Advocate General Program, also known as the, the law program in the military, uh, in this case the program in the Marine Corps. So this is a, uh, a career path that a lot of law students take, but I've kind of noticed in my time in law school, it's not something that is you know, sort of talked a lot about. Uh, it's very different than any other type of you know career you might be pursuing or job. There's, there's a significant process involved um, that can be a little complicated. We wanted to talk about that uh, today and just kind of understand you know the what, what's involved in that process, uh, you know the perspective of uh, you know somebody pursuing it, and also talk to a you know selection officer in terms of like what's involved if this is something uh, that you want to pursue. Uh, gentlemen, how are you? Doing great. Doing good. Awesome. Uh, well, thanks for being here. Uh, before we get started, I just want to say so like. For, People don't know us. Uh, so we actually all know each other in a somewhat interesting way. So uh, I know Captain Laura, a couple of years ago, we were actually just talking before we got started about, uh, you know, I, I was talking to you uh, when I was kind of looking into, you know, opportunities uh, in the Marines and I found out I was going to law school. This was like COVID time. So it's like all blur at this point. Uh, and so we got to talk and then Evan, when he started last fall, then we met at the, the student org fair and, you know, we've kind of become uh, friends to this point. Obviously you came to Boston, you got to know uh, Captain here and uh, yeah, so it's all, it's all a n- nice little, uh, nice little thing we get going. Um, but obviously I want to, you know, defer to you guys and just kind of talk about, uh, you know, what, what's involved. Uh, you know, first of all, thank you both for your service. Um, but I, I guess I'll just start uh, with Captain Laura to talk about you. If you just want to talk a little about your, your career, kind of how you got to uh, being a selection officer, uh, why you went in the Marine Corps and, you know, anything else you'd like to share for, for people watching. No, absolutely. Um, so again, appreciate you having us here. Absolutely. Um, you know, I'm, I'm a logistics officer by trade, so in no means am I am a judge advocate. Um, you know, in the legal field at all. That's why you know Evan is going to be my my subject matter expert when it comes to those things. It's a good legal term. Absolutely, right. Yeah. Uh, it's a good it's a good Marine Corps term. Absolutely. But you know, started my journey, uh, attended the University of Louisville, um, began in engineering, ended up in sport administration, worked in professional sports for a period. Always looked at the Marine Corps, have an older brother that enlisted out of high school and really was interested in, in kind of the, the relationships that I was getting to witness from him, the the bond that was being built and really ultimately just the service to our country. Absolutely. Um, once I got exposed to the Marine Corps, there was really no other branch that, that was going to pique my interest as much. And so I uh, found myself uh, repeatedly pursuing different options or looking into different options. Uh, approached graduation and, and talked to an officer selection officer back in Kentucky. Ended up a year later uh, getting selected to go to officer candidate school. And, and you know, six and a half years later, here I am. So um, kind of the process of, of ending up in Boston. You know, I had some some Marines that, that served with my older brother and, and I was very close with from the area. Uh, unfortunately, aren't with us anymore, but uh, kind of drew me to this area and, and yeah. Couldn't have been, you know, more blessed to, to get to be uh, around the the phenomenal students, the phenomenal people of this area, really getting to learn more about, you know, the culture in Boston and, and you know, some of the phenomenal schools that you guys have. And, and again, having an opportunity to, to help find that next generation of Marine officers uh, to get to, to inspire them, hopefully to mentor them and just be a part of their journey and, and kind of finding that that next group to you know, follow follow us and, and kind of take the reins of the Marine Corps. Terrific. Um, could you tell us a little bit about what an officer selection officer does? You know, you sort of thought of as a, a recruiter. I know the process is a little bit different. 
Um, you know, when it comes to being an officer after after college or after you know professional school, we're obviously here at uh, you know BC Law. Uh, so I guess can you just tell us what what you do as a selection officer, what that what that job entails? Absolutely. So, you know, I'm sure all of you have have heard from me at some point yeah. uh, in your time at, at BC, but you know, I, I try to avoid that that word recruiter. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think a lot of us think of recruiter with with negative connotation. Uh, with you know, kind of a negative mindset, and and as far as being here to to trick you into something or whatever it may be, uh, my my real goal is is find individuals that want to serve, um, you know, explain to them really what what the Marine Corps is, what makes us different, uh, some of the different uh, facets to being a JAG in the Marine Corps opposed to other other branches, and then really just helping them them pursue that journey. Uh, our role is is to really help uh, you know students or applicants. Get selected, number one. So everything that we do is a board process. You go on those boards, and, and if selected, you have an opportunity to go to officer candidate school and pursue that that commission. Um, so my, my real job here, uh, other than, than you know finding those individuals up front, you know having that conversation like we had you know some two years ago now, yep. uh, you know and, and like I've had with with some of the, you know the other lieutenants that, that go to school here, uh, you know we have that conversation, and then it's helping them prepare, helping them be competitive for the boards. And then ensuring their success, you know, whether it be at officer candidate school or beyond. Awesome, uh, Evan. So I guess I go to you. So I guess uh, you went to Notre Dame for undergrad. Right. Uh, go Irish. Uh, so how do you guess you talk talk to us a little bit about you know your process of deciding number one, you know, you wanted to serve. Number two, the Marines. Number three, JAG and law and in, in law school and sort of like the you know doing law in the military and that angle. But what, what was that process like for you? And sort of how did you how did you end up where you are today? Right. So I guess it started in undergrad, um, looking to do different ROTC. Oh. Uh, looking to do different like ROTC programs, yep. always wanted to serve. My so that's ROTC, so for people who are, right. for the uninitiated. <laughs> yeah. um, so I was trying to choose between branches, always wanted yeah. to serve. Both my parents worked for the Veterans Administration, so I kind of grew up with the stories of uh, their patients' commitment to our country, and that kind of inspired me to want to be able to serve um, after college. So I started looking at different branches, and Marine Corps really just set itself apart. There's a saying of the Army has its tanks, the Navy has its ships, the Air Force has its planes. Uh, but the Marine Corps has its culture. And I think that bond really kind of drew me towards the Marine Corps. Um, and so I ended up doing Marine Corps ROTC uh, at Notre Dame. And there wasn't really a law option at all to be able to go to law school um, straight from undergrad um, to law school. Um, and then going into my senior year, they opened up an option for us to be able to apply to go to law school, become a judge advocate. So took the LSAT. It was kind of a, a rush process. I had about that. a month or two to um, take the LSAT, complete yeah. my applications. But lucky enough to be able to be at BC and pursue that route. Awesome. So did you know going into Notre Dame out of high school that like ROTC was for you? Or like was it when you were in college that was decision was made? Like what was the timeline for that for so you? Going into my senior year of high school, you, okay. that's when the application yeah. process starts, which is a little different uh, than when Captain Lord deals with. That's mostly... That's like OCS. Yeah. Right. Okay. Yes. I still had to go through OCS, which right. was... Not a fun time, but you yeah. get through it. Um, mm-hmm. but, and how did you decide on the on the law path in particular? Right. So my Marine officer instructor at Notre Dame, Captain Brockamar, when he was prior enlisted, he worked in the legal community, and he would always tell us all these stories of the impact you are able to have um, on the country and on the world uh, through that job, right. being able to influence both the commander's decisions and the legal process in the in the military that sounds really interesting can you tell us a little bit more about that that's that sounds pretty 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 significant yeah so he was uh like sort of the equivalent of like a law clerk as enlisted personnel helping out judge advocates helping with legal documents helping create caseloads um so he's able to do that both deployed to afghanistan 
um, came back, became an officer, um, and then transitioned over to legit the logistics field. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Um, so I'll, I'll say I'll yeah, say sure. what Evans too too humble to say right. He's, <laughs> he's definitely a, a groundbreaker. Whenever when he talks like it, it was not a program. Yeah. He was he was the first of his kind to to get to go from NROTC yeah. Naval ROTC uh, to that judge advocate kind of route. That's so, interesting. Yeah. Um, Can you just explain a little because I'm sure a lot of people don't necessarily understand that, that. That sounds like a pretty significant jump to make, and it's a pretty big decision. I mean, law school is a, a big enough commitment, but to decide you want to do that. Within the military and within you know that 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 program to you know when you're in college and you're doing brought to your OCS like can you tell us a little bit more about that point? No, absolutely. So uh, I'm assuming you were a ground option before, correct? Was, so yeah. um, our ground options are, are looking at you know 21 different military occupational specialties that they could potentially go and do uh, you know after our training pipeline, and so that everything from infantry to logistics to administration, supply, communications. Uh, the list goes on. Yeah. And so, you know, a lot of our students that, that pursue or are on scholarship through NROTC, uh, you know, are either going aviation or that route. Right. Uh, because then they'll have their obligation for having that scholarship and having their tuition paid for. And so, you know, towards the end of, of you know, Evan's time at, at Notre Dame, that's where that option, I guess, came up. Right. And he said, you know, it was a, a fairly rushed process. But I guess that'd be more for, for him to say as right. to, you know, where did your uh, – I guess mine go when it came to changing from ground to law other than, hey, we have this opportunity available to you. You know, why did you choose to do that? Right. I think just having taken a bunch of classes at Notre Dame relating to national security policy, relating to law, yeah. judge advocate seemed like the perfect combination of those interests because you're able to serve, you're able to be a Marine officer first, then a lawyer, yeah. um, and still being able to serve your country with those interests because uh, it's always I always thought of it eventually either after my time in the Marine Corps or maybe mm -hmm. after a couple of years active duty going back to law school. Um, so it was a really good option to be able to do that from the start. Okay, awesome. Um, Captain, I want to go back to you. So for, you know, people who are here who are law students, you know, you're, you've obviously graduated college. And if you start thinking about this path, you know, obviously this is unlike any other job process. Um, you know, you're, you're, you're joining the military and there's a significant uh, there, there's a lot that's involved in that. Can you just talk a little bit about, you know, the, the, the timeline, the steps that are involved, you know, there's obviously OCS, there's the basics. So there, there's a lot of, uh, evolutions in that process. And it's also a significant commitment. Can you just kind of walk us through just at a high level, um, what's involved if I'm in law school and I said, you know, Hey, maybe this path is for me, but what are you, what are you looking at? Definitely. So we'll, we'll go nuts to bolts here. Yeah. Um, you know, we're the only, the only branch that works with everything from one L's through graduates. Um, so we have programs for platoon leaders class law. Mm -hmm. uh, which is 1Ls and 2Ls, uh, where they go the summer after school. So you know, hypothetically, if you were to go this summer after 2L, mm -hmm. you would go for 10 weeks to officer candidate school. Once you complete officer candidate school, uh, the only difference being you possess you possess an undergraduate degree already. Mm -hmm. uh, and so you're, you're put on the spot there of like, hey, you can direct commission here or you decline your commission. All right. So you're offered that commission up front. If you accept that commission as a 1L or 2L, then you return to law school as as a lieutenant in the marine corps as a second lieutenant in the marine corps um, for graduates you know same thing just we're looking at, at post bar normally they have to have taken the bar exam in order to go to officer candidate school so you don't have to have your bar results back you just have to have taken the bar uh, in order to go uh, to ocs once you complete ocs you accept that commission and you kind of look at hey what's next bar exam results are back we passed everything is good you know we're moving on uh, we go on to the basic school uh, which is six months. Again, kind of one of the things that, that really separates the Marine Corps from any other branch in that field is is every judge advocate 
is going to go through the exact same initial training that any other Marine officer does. So the same officer candidate school, those same 10 weeks, and then those same six months of, of really uh, kind of tactical and, and, and warfighting knowledge, really getting to know the Marine Corps uh, intimately, right? Understanding what that Marine at, at the front of the, you know, the tip of the spear, you might say, what they do, right? And how do we support them? Mm-hmm. Uh, and so they go through those six months there, uh, learning a lot of, of infantry knowledge and ultimately leaving there uh, deemed as a provisional rifle platoon commander. So we look at a lot of it as as every Marine is a rifleman, every Marine officer is a provisional rifle platoon commander. And I think that knowledge, right, we look at every Marine officer as a leader of Marines before they're anything else. So before I'm a logistics officer, before he's a judge advocate, you know, we're Marine officers first. Yeah. And we need to understand you know, how to, to lead our Marines, how to speak to our Marines, how to communicate with other Marines. Uh, once you do that, you'd go to the Naval Justice School for 10 weeks. Uh, that's back in Newport, Rhode Island. And then upon completion of that, you, you earn officially earn your, your title as a judge advocate in the Marine Corps uh, and move on with your career. The, I guess, kind of tricky part there is we start to talk rank. So, you know, Evan is a, a second lieutenant right now. He'll pick up first lieutenant here in about a year or so, right around two years, you pick up first lieutenant. Uh, for judge advocates, it's a little bit different in terms of rank progression than any other officer. So once he completes Naval Justice School here in a couple of years, he'll immediately get the credit for law school as far as his time in, in service or time in grade, I should say. Oh. Um, and so that adds those three years, and he'll be on that first. Every rank that we have is boarded, so he'll be on that first captain's board and pick up rank a lot faster than the, the traditional officer would. Now that, if I could just interject, so that goes uh, towards rank. Does that go towards service time in terms of your service obligation? Not towards your obligation, not okay. towards your retirement, okay. but towards Purely your rank, towards rank. Okay. which – Know, ultimately affects you know pay and responsibility. Absolutely. Um, I wanted to follow up on something you said. It was actually a question I had, I had planned to ask. So you know this is something that you know whether we're talking about you know law or not, um, you, you know the Marine Corps and I know uh, Second Lieutenant Muller uh, referred to this this idea that you know, the Marine Corps is very much known for its culture. And I hear from a lot of people I've talked to that you know you're a Marine before anything else, before JAG, before you know whatever your specialization is. Can you talk a little bit about in practice what that means? I mean I guess you know in, in this case if you're uh, a jag with this idea that you're a marine before anything else. What what in practice does that does that, does that entail? Absolutely, it's it's understanding that at some point you're going to have marines under your charge. Yep. Right? You are ultimately responsible for them. We're not talking in combat necessarily. We're, we're talking on their in their day to day lives. Right, you're responsible for everything they do, for their well being, for their livelihood, for what's going on at home, and and for making sure that they're coming to work every day. You know, in a position to work, uh, and so you know above all. You know, that, that's our, our first priority, right? We, we talk this balance between mission and Marines, and, and that balance, you know, goes back and forth between that 51-49, which one takes priority, which one takes precedence. And, and ultimately, you know, in, in a, I guess, an average um, scenario, right, you're, you're going to be looking at your Marines a lot, right? And the mission is going to take priority always, but, but you want to make sure that your Marines on a, on a day-in and day-out basis are taken care of. And so... You know, every Marine officer, and, and specific, you know, to Jags, he's going to have Marines that, that he's responsible for, okay. right? and he needs to make sure that they're well led. And then, furthermore, it's understanding that that you know, further on in his career, he's going to go and support a unit, right? And he'll be a captain or a major at that point, and and be supporting a, a larger unit, potentially deployed someplace. And if anything were to ever happen, right, or if somebody were to get sick, get hurt, get injured, um, or or God forbid, get killed, right? He needs to, to have that knowledge and the wherewithal and the ability to step in and, and lead Marines, right? So, you know, what the basic school does and, and kind of what our whole premise does 
is it's going to put any Marine, no matter your background, no matter your job set, your skills, in a position to lead Marines in any environment. Absolutely. That answer your question? It does. Thank okay. you. Um, so another question I want to ask, so obviously we're, you know, if you're doing JAG, you've been to college, you've been to law school, which you know, entails a significant amount of, you know, tuition and there's a lot of sacrifice that goes into that. Uh, one thing that people are, you know, curious about is it, with respect to, um, you know, the, the benefits of being, uh, in the military, can you talk a little about, you know, tuition assistance or just other benefits that might be relevant and how some of those work? Absolutely. So I'll tell you right now, it's, it's something that, that we're working on yeah. at a conversation with, with. Uh, one of our commanding generals the other day about this and kind of you know, what other branches do versus what we do. Uh, you know, that culture is, is one thing that they look at and, and we say, you know, we're not going to buy our officers, mm-hmm. right? So there's not a lot of bonuses and things like that up front. What we do have is, you know, for the PLC program, that platoon leaders class I discussed, there are opportunities for you to return to school and collect financial aid. And then there's a tuition assistance program as well. So that ranges, gets you up to $8,000 a year. Uh, in funds that you can use either towards school, books, or, or whatever you need, uh, whether it be food or, or, you know, anything else, gas right now, right? Mm, so, yeah, for sure. Uh, you know, being able to, to do those <laughs> types of things. Uh, outside of that, once you're in for 10 years, or I guess 10 years of, of federal service, right, can get you that federal loan forgiveness, okay. right? So that doesn't necessarily all have to be done in the Marine Corps, uh, but your time in service does count towards that 10 years. So I know a lot of federal loans have that. Uh, where you know, 10 years of federal service forgives whatever you have you know, remaining on your loans at that point. Uh, and then the other thing that, that we do have, uh, since we don't have a, a loan forgiveness per se, uh, is the, the post-9-11 GI Bill, mm-hmm. right? And what that does is gives you 36 months of, of tuition, right? Whether that be in a graduate program. Remind me, what, what's the graduate program for law? So it be an LLM, LLM, which the LLMs. Marine Corps also offers. Which you can get in, in the Marine Corps, right, and then potentially transfer that GI Bill. But, um, you know, there's there's programs, if he were to stay in, uh, that he could continue on and, and get his LLM to further his career in the Marine Corps, uh, further benefit the Marine Corps and, and be able to apply that knowledge. Uh, or if he were to get out and say, you know, I want to go and pursue my LLM, he's doing that free of cost. Um, while he's doing that, he's also going to be able to get a housing allowance and things like that while he's back in school. Excellent. Um, so I also wanted to ask, what are, you know, obviously when people think about, you know, the military, you know, you, you, you're you going to deploy, you're going to go places. What are some common, um, in terms of geography, common deployments where, where people can end up around the, the nation and, and world? Man, that's a, I mean, it's, it's a, it's a loaded question. <laughs> so, I mean, it, it changes, right? Based yeah. on, based on, you know, kind of the, the climate of the world at that time, what we're involved in. Obviously, you just saw, you know, the rest of the Marines and, and the rest of really the U.S. troops get pulled out of, of Afghanistan, right? And I think that's where a lot of our heads go is, is Iraq, Afghanistan. Yeah. Um, the thing that the Marine Corps does and, and kind of our whole premise is being America's 911, right. right? And so we are able to have Marines on the ground anywhere in the world within 24 hours of that flag going up. Uh, a lot of our deployments right now tend to uh, circle around uh, kind of a uh, pre-positioned force uh, in some place. So... You know, we have Marine Expeditionary Units where we go out on ship, uh, you know, partnered with the Navy. Uh, we traveled to, I did one to the Mediterranean uh, and then ended up in, in 12 or so different countries throughout Africa, uh, the Middle East, and Europe. Yeah. And then did another one where we spent seven months in Norway. Yeah, I think we spoke right. halfway through my one you were in Norway. You were telling me it was, uh, right. it was pretty cold there. Absolutely. So yeah. it prepared me for winters in Boston, right? Yeah. But, uh, no, I mean, we spent seven months in Norway um, doing doing a couple of things, right? Being there. Uh, as a as a partner to the Norwegians, learning about you know how the Marine Corps can operate in an Arctic environment in the cold, and uh, and then you know, ultimately being a prepositioned force there 
if something were to happen in that part of the world that we can have Marines readily available. And with that, we had a judge advocate on ship. We had a judge advocate um, at different ranks, different stages of their careers based on how many Marines they're taking care of. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, obviously doing everything from, you know, basic legal needs of the individual Marine, whether that be taking care of things back at home. Um, It could be, (laughs) hey, a Marine goes and and gets in trouble someplace and, and that judge advocate's responsible for, you know, answering the call when it comes to whatever legal needs, you know, appear with that uh, and, and maybe, uh, you know, kind of taking care of, of some of the outside noise that's happening when it comes to that. And then ultimately, if something were to happen in the world and, and we have to answer that, uh, they're going to go and, and actually kind of function in that operational law aspect and, and, you know, be briefing the commander, be there as that, that commander's uh, advisor when it comes to any sort of legal matters. Very good. Uh, Evan, I want to go back to you. So, uh, can you just tell us a little bit, you know, about what it's been like? You know, obviously, we're all going through law school. One L is it's, you know, it's a, it's its own beast. And then you've got, you know, for most people who do a lot of, you know, very traditional things in law school. You know, you you think about OCI and you know, applying to law firms and things like that. But obviously, um, you know, with what with what you're doing in the Marine Corps, what, what has it been like going through law school, sort of knowing what you're going to do after? It's obviously a little bit different than a lot of people. Like, what's it been like as you're going through law school? Which is it's stressful enough. You know, there's a lot right. to to keep track of. Um, when you're here, but, but what's it been like, you know, sort of going through law school, you know, doing, uh, you know, what uh, a lot of us do, you know, same curriculum, 1L and everything. Um, but knowing that you're, you know, you're, you're, what you're going to do, um, after you're, after you're done at this place. Can I, can I add to this or just so a part of sure. your answer, you, you address it? Cause I think a lot of the questions that come up too are about internships and things like yeah, that. Yeah. Hey, what do we have available? Yeah. So maybe if you could add. Yeah. Cause I know this summer you got a, you got a JAG internship. Yeah. Uh, so I'll speak to, uh. The law school experience first, and I'll yeah. move over to the internship. Sure. Um, so in some ways, it's a lot less stressful, given that my peers have to apply yeah. for all these jobs, right. concerned about OCI, concerned about law review. It's yeah. just you're guaranteed a job, and your whole course of law school is just prepping for that one job. Right. So I think in that way, it's a little more stressful just knowing the gravity of issues you'll have to deal with and knowing that you're going to hone your legal education mm-hmm. legal skills as best you can to serve Marines and serve the country, right. um, either as just a trial judge advocate or a staff judge advocate, uh, like Captain Laura was talking about, and knowing the impact those decisions and advice you give commanders could have uh, on real lives. Uh, but as in terms of the internship, uh, so I'll be at the 1st Marine Expeditionary Force out in Camp Pendleton okay. for the summer in the staff judge advocate's office there. So they deal with Central Command, which is like the Middle East, and then the Indo-Pacific, which is like the South China Sea area right. uh, primarily. Um, so with that, I'll probably be working a mix of operational law, uh, as well as military justice out there. Okay. Military justice is just like what you'd think of the court martial, like a right, few right. good men, uh, type stuff. But, it comes to mind. Yeah. Uh, awesome. Okay. Uh, so I also want to ask just this, this idea about the summer. So obviously you're doing that this summer. Um, and if you haven't already, you know, gone through the program, like, like Evan has, you know, as, as you had mentioned, captain, you, know, you, you can spend one of your summers, um, you know, going through the program to, to, to join in the Marine Corps. Can you talk a little bit about, you know, what that's like? Like, let's say I'm a, I'm a 1L, I decide this is something that I want to do um, in the summer. How, do, how does that work? Where, where do I go and what, what happens? Absolutely. So step one is Quantico, Virginia. Yep. You have to go to officer candidate school. Uh, you have to earn the title of Marine right. before you can go in and do you know, some of the opportunities that Lieutenant Muller is doing. So, uh, you know, we unfortunately don't have internship opportunities for uh, non-Marines. Right. Uh, they, don't, they don't take civilians into those. Um, partly just because there's there's not a ton of spots available for it. Um, you know, when we look at that, you know, like I said, step one is going to be going and, and actually going to officer candidate school and kind of pursuing that route through the PLC law program that right. we talked about earlier. 
Uh, once you do that, then the following summers, if you have any left, um, I know we also have some some post bar opportunities. One of our lieutenants is taking advantage of. Uh, he's wrapping up at at Harvard this year, mm-hmm. and then he's going to go prior to the basic school. He's going to go and do a post post bar opportunity there, similar to what Evan's doing. Very good. Uh, I also want to go next to uh, the the physical requirements for this because there is a you know talk about the PFT. You talk about uh, a lot of the uh, you know when, when you go to Quantico, you're gonna it's uh, it's it's not gonna reward people who are not in shape. Uh, obviously, both of you. Uh, both in shape. Uh, there's obviously requirements. Uh, I, I know I worked through this a couple of years ago during COVID. I was like, you know, there's nothing else to do. And I was you know, sort of looking at the program. I was like, all right, let me make sure I can get my, get my three mile time to where it needs to be. Get my, you know, get everything to, uh, you know, be, uh, be in, in, in ship shape as they might say. Can you just talk a little bit about that just in terms of physical fitness, what's going to be expected of you and, you know, sort of the, the best ways to sort of see where you're at and, uh, train for, for, for what's going to be ahead if you decide to pursue this. Yeah. So our, our physical fitness requirements are, uh, a little bit different than than other branches, other other jobs for sure, right? Yeah. Especially other internships you may be looking at for the summertime. Yeah, the, the firms aren't going to make you go out in the parking lot gonna, and uh, do your do your chin ups. They're, they're not going to be worried too much about your uh, your pull ups. But <laughs> yeah, um, you know, we focus primarily up front on on the the physical fitness test. So yep. that includes uh, dead hang pull ups. So just max max set of dead hang pull ups. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, for depending on age for for any law student, you're going to be looking for males at a max of of twenty three. And then for women, you're looking 10 to 12, uh, depending on, again, age and everything else. But uh, there's there's maxes, there's minimums, there's everything else. Uh, but it's getting you into that happy medium of having a, a competitive total score. Um, we also were moving in the direction of instead of crunches, moving to a plank. So max plank being 345, uh, max crunches generally being 110. And then three-mile run, max for a, a male is going to be 18 minutes. And then for women, it's going to be 21 minutes. So it's taking that that whole score, right, getting you to be to decent at all of them, mm-hmm. you know, have a passing score on all of them, and then working with you. And that's, again, kind of what I said earlier as far as, you know, finding you is one thing and everything else. But my, my primary goal here is to help you there. Yeah. Right? And it's like, hey, once we sit down and say, here's, here's the requirements, here's the standard, here's what's going to get you a ticket to officer candidate school into Quantico this summer, and then we're going to work on it. So. Oh. You know, I, I utilize Evan a lot, probably more than, than he would like around BC uh, to say, hey, you know, we've got some students here that, you know, really need to work on their pull-ups or need to work on their runs. So, you know, I want you on their hip, you know, when they're going on a run or if you're going on a run, you know, make sure they're with you. And so we do a lot of that kind of stuff and just making sure that, you know, we're not just, just telling you what needs to happen. Mm-hmm. If you're willing to put in the work, you know, we're, we're willing to be right there with you. That's terrific. Uh, I also wanted to go to uh, the obviously there's a there's a time commitment there's a you know ADSO active duty service obligation as as I understand it you know you're you're committed for eight years uh, four of that has to be active duty and you have an option to to go to IRR as I understand can you talk a little bit more about that correct and correct so, my layman's perspective no absolutely so the eight, the eight year always it's a daunting number right yeah. um, in reality it's it's four years active duty mm-hmm. uh, the IRR is not. You have no active requirements. You're not going and drilling. Mm-hmm. Like when you think of a reservist, you know, they go on the weekends one, one time a month and, and two weeks out of the year. Uh, you know, as an IRR Marine, you know, you, you're, you're kind of you're out of the Marine Corps. You're living your life, uh, obviously, to a certain standard still. Mm-hmm. You're still checking in, I believe, once a year. Um, but and what does checking in involve? As far as, hey, are you are you alive? Are you still, <laughs> are you still doing what you need to do? Yeah. Um, you know, but, but a lot of. Uh, my counterparts got out after their first four years, uh, utilized their GI Bill, so they're in the IRR, but, you know, they're going to law school now. Uh, I've got, you know, one at NYU, one at Harvard, and so 
you know, they're, they're living a, a normal life per se right. uh, now here in, in Boston or in New York uh, and, and utilizing their, their benefits from the Marine Corps. So the, the premise of the IRR, uh, to my understanding at least, right, and don't, mm-hmm. don't hold me to this too much, but, you know, I always say it's, it's if something major happened opposed to doing a draft or anything like that, mm-hmm. you know, it's looking that, hey, you're still within your uh, service obligation of sorts that if they needed to pull you back or for any legal matter or whatever it may be, like they have the ability to pull you back, it, it rarely, rarely happens. And so uh, it's just to, you know, rather than, than go through a draft and just start picking people off the streets, we have a, a group of well-trained officers already here ready to go. But um, when we look at it, really, the obligation is going to be four years. Okay. And and nine months of that is going to be your training. Okay. Right? Six months is at the basic school. Another three months is at Naval Justice School. And so then you're really looking at three years with a unit someplace before you could exit the Marine Corps or if you choose to continue your, your career there. Okay, excellent. Uh, I also want to talk about something you touched on, uh, the, the reserve. So this is something I think that not enough people necessarily understand. How does that uh, sort of interface with what we've talked about today? Who, who, who is that open to? How, how does that work? So, again, unfortunately, there's no reserve options yeah. for staff judge advocates or judge advocates. Right. Um, unless, again, you know, a Marine serves their initial active duty tour and then decides to get out and there's a, a spot for a judge advocate in a reserve unit. So there's reserve stations uh, all over the country, uh, potentially all over the world. I know there's some, you know, throughout Europe and stuff like that as well. Uh, and so it's an opportunity for Marines to continue their service, to continue working towards retirement uh, without – you know, serving full-time active duty, you know, working a normal job, and then still having the flexibility and opportunities to, you know, go and do extended periods of, of duty or, or deployments or things like that if they choose to. Uh, as far as the, the judge advocate side, I mean, there's absolutely opportunities for a law student or, you know, a practicing attorney to still go into the reserves in that, that ground route, right, that we talked about earlier a little bit, uh, to go be a ground officer in the Marine Corps while doing, you know, law on the side, or not on the side, full-time, and then kind of doing the Marine thing, learning those leadership skills and kind of, you know, earning that title and, and, and joining this this organization, right, to be a part of that culture that, that Evan talked about earlier. So those opportunities are available to everybody. Mm-hmm. And obviously it's it's just looking at, you know, taking that time away from practicing potentially and, and not getting to practice in the Marine Corps if you're doing the reserve route. All right, so my last question, I want to go back uh, to Lieutenant Muller, who's, uh, again, 1L here at BC Law. I just kind of wanted to ask, you know, through your you know journey here, uh, you know, you obviously chose BC Law for law school. Um, I'm just kind of curious in terms of, you know, the the track that you're on, you know, wanting to do uh, JAG. I mean, obviously, that's a little bit different than, um, you know, the path that I think most of our, our, our peers are doing. So what's it been like kind of going through BC Law, knowing that, you know, you're, you're, you're going to, in the military after you graduate, you know, being here in Boston? Um, I know there's a number of our peers who are, you know, like yourself, either in the Marines or in other branches who are doing JAG uh, here at BC Law. I guess what has the law school experience been like? What has BC Law been like? Uh, and what's it been like being in Boston um, with respect to either the veteran community or just kind of knowing, you know, while you're here, where, where, your, where your path is headed? Um, and how has that impacted your, your experience in law school? Right. Well, I think what kind of brought me to BC in the first place, going back to culture, which I mentioned earlier, um, coming from Notre Dame, another Catholic school, Greatest Catholic school in America. Um, Careful. <laughs> um, just sort of those humanitarian values. Well, BC has this great like corporate law culture, pushing people into big law. Right. They also equally have this big public interest uh, in being around other like-minded students, going towards public interest, knowing that you're using your law degree to achieve something more than, than just money and being able to use that law degree and that education to be able to help your nation, help your community. 
Um, and I can see that really reflected in a bunch of my BC courses. Some of my professors have been great. Uh, Bob Bloom, Professor Van Ness have been, been great mentors here. Um, so that's been fantastic. And then the Student Veterans Association has also been really strong. And again, Boston's a great Marine Corps city, lots of Marines here. Um, so my experience has been fantastic. Awesome. Uh, all right. Well, thank you to both uh, of you for coming on here and joining us, talking about JAG, talking about uh, the Marine Corps and what this path is like for uh, for, for, for people who are curious. Uh, it's been the BC Law Just Law Podcast. I'm Tom Blake. I've been here with Captain Austin Laura, the Officer Selection Officer uh, for Boston, and Second Lieutenant Evan Muller, who's also a 1L here at BC Law. Until next time, that'll do for this episode. Thanks for watching.